Hi, I'm Forrest Griffin. Brian Caraway. And Lisa Tate. What's up, guys? This is Joseph Benavidez, UFC flyweight. Hi, this is Greg Jackson, and you're listening to It's MMA Zing, and that is an amazing pun. Get it? Like MMA, but amazing? Amazing. Radio. Welcome to It's M Amazing Radio. I am your host, Dr. Law. With me as always, DJ Mark. So, Also joining us this week, a man who dodged a bullet when his questionable ass fight pick didn't hurt him because Bryce Mitchell, I don't know, something was wrong with him. He had the sniffles. Um, Mike, Lavender Gooms, how you doing? Method to my madness, sir, and I wish you all a national... Have a Coke day. Oh, have nice. a Coke, not National Have Coke Day. Very different holiday. It's a very specific brand, too. you think it'd be like National Have a Cola Day. Mm. But Coke just wrapped this day up. They're like uh, the 8th. That's when we get to push our products. Let's, uh, let's be real here. Coca-Cola is the number one soda in the world. Uh, thing like what? They got like. 70% market share when it comes to cola. Come on, bro. Sure. It, there's never going to be a have a Pepsi. You, they have, 70, they Pepsi. have a 70% market share worldwide. It's a wild shit. Oh, well, Pepsi owns Taco I'm gonna look, Bell. I'm going to look it up during the I'm Pe- going to look it up during Pepsi time. owns Taco Bell, so they got stuff. No, they, they got the Yum brand. It's all yeah, right. Yeah, they got Taco they, they own the, uh, the, the, the trifecta. Pizza Hut, Taco Bell, the other one. All right. So I was off by Burger a fair King. amount. I was off by a fair okay. amount. However, right. uh, they do own a 42% share of the global okay. soft drink market, All which right, is still enough. fucking crazy. They own Monster. I know that. They own Monster. They own that shitty water one, Dasani. Mm-hmm. Um, 7-Eleven, I think, is Pepsi. I don't. 7-Eleven. 7-Up, I think, is Pepsi. I don't think they own that. But they, they own Sprite? I believe Sprite is Coke. 7-Up is Pepsi. Yeah. Because the bottles are similar, too. Anyway. All right, boys and girls. Uh, Aljamain Sterling, still your Bantamweight champion, despite how the people of New Jersey feel, which if I'm getting booed by New Jersey by people in Newark, New Jersey, Mike, I think I'm, pretty, I'm, I'm doing okay in life. What do you think, huh? I think that's fine. You know, the people in New Jersey are horrible people, so I don't think he should feel that bad about being booed by them. You've, you've, I've been to one fight card in that arena with you. Which yeah. what? Which you've been to though a couple over there at the Prudential Center, haven't you? At this point, uh, just one more than you. I went to the uh, Nate Diaz Jim Miller fight that okay. was over there. So yeah, um, I remember the one I went to, and they showed it because they were doing like this thirty. I'm not sure if you caught this part of the pay per view, Mark, where they were like thirtieth anniversary stuff, and they showed the Shogun John Jones fight, like a highlight reel of that. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh yeah, Mike and I were there. He beat the crap out of him. In, no. Indeed we were. And uh, the people of Jersey show their whole ass when in the bathroom. Uh. The guy says, I don't know who this Rua guy is, but John Jones is going to beat his ass. He ended up being prophetic, and it was true. Yeah. But it was still disrespectful. It was rude. It was 100% accurate, but it was rude. Um, you were, I remember you were going to root for John Jones, and then you saw, you heard that guy, and you're like, Bobby, let me join you in this lost cause of watching this Brazilian man get just smoked in front of all these people. <laughs> Indeed. 
Yeah, fight start. John Jones starts throwing flying knees. You're like, oh no, yep. it's over. It. <laughs> it's over. Um, Murder, she wrote. Yeah. Um, all right. Aljamain Sterling, Henry Cejudo went five high five hard rounds. And what, quite frankly, Mark, I thought was not a bad fight. Honestly, yeah, I thought it was pretty. I was actually pretty intrigued with some of the technical aspects of it. It was a rough watch for the crowd after the co-main event, and we'll get to that. Um, you and me were talking throughout the car throughout this fight, I think, and we all we both had it for. I don't know how specific we you and me got. I don't think we got that specific with which rounds, but I think no. both of us were just like, "Yeah, Aljo won at least three rounds. Like at least was the mm-hmm. takeaway there, minimum three. Um, and uh, it looks like just looking at the general public. Forty percent of the public really doesn't seem to like Aljamain Sterling. They went three to three to two to Cejudo. Um, it was, don't get me wrong; it wasn't a slaughter. It was a closest fight, but I thought it was pretty clear who won. Um, but it looks like thirty-seven um, percent went to Sterling, winning at three-two. Another fifteen percent went four-one to Sterling. All the media scorecards, except for uh, MMA Mania and some guy at the Wrestling Observer, had it for Sterling either three to two or four to one. Three to two being the dominant thing. Mm-hmm. Marcus, uh, what do we think happened here, man? Was it uh, Aljamain Sterling is just going to make you work on his pace and you're going to get tired, or was this Henry's old? What do you yeah, think? no, I think Sterling did a lot of good things in this fight. I think he managed the distance very well. He had the height advantage. He utilized his reach well. He utilized kicks well, his striking. He was able to get in and out successfully. Uh, you know, he made a few mistakes here and there, and, you know, there was a couple times Henry was able to to capitalize to some extent, but I think in this fight and the co-main event, we saw two fights where the the larger man was able to eat shots, not get hurt, and was able to dictate the pace, given some of the natural abilities and their skill as well, because in this fight, you know, Henry, there's a couple times, I think there was one time in the second where Sterling kind of like, he ducked in the wrong way, and Henry got him with a big head kick no damage like it, it, he didn't phase him at all he hit him with a couple clean shots really didn't have henry hurt too bad at any point in this fight um and then sterling outside of just you know dictating and doing really well in the stand-up did extremely well in the grappling did really good in the clinch um they both got takedowns. sterling was able to get um Cejudo's back a couple times a- again not utilizing it super effectively where he was able to do damage or control for extended amounts of time but was able to get in better positions in the grappling exchanges than henry did henry got him down a couple times couldn't really keep him down couldn't utilize you know a lot of strikes and ground and pounds or passing there either um and then you know i think i think henry in the fifth round knew that he needed to do something drastic to try to win. I think he pushed the pace a bit more and was a little bit more aggressive. I think he ultimately won that round, but not nearly enough to win the fight. Didn't get close to any finishes or anything like that, but asserted himself fairly well, but it was really Sterling that was dictating, I think, the fight throughout all the rounds. Yeah. um, Four. So some of the criticism, man, the announcers, man, I'm going to need Joe Rogan to stop every time somebody gets a takedown being like, okay, does that mean did he steal the round like this is fucking 2012 i need i need better from you joe i need better than that um four takedowns four successful takedowns for Algerman. i think he tried, attempted 15 maybe i think it was was some, i think that was the number um henry cejudo has been taken down five times in his ufc career period and four of them were in this fight so while there was times where it looked like aljo was really reaching you know four for 15 that's what it was he still got him down four times. He still got the goddamn Olympic gold medalist down four fucking times. I mean, there's that in itself is very impressive. I think 
a lot of people don't necessarily remember how good Henry was. Um, he Three got years pretty away is, uh, is a long time in MMA. Yeah, uh, Mike, let's just get into it. Um, none of us really believe, everybody still now says his retirement was just him trying to get more money. And he kind of worked himself into a shoot. And then he's retired and he hasn't fought in three years and all that stuff. Did we miss out on the on Henry Cejudo's MMA prime during those three years? Because it was going well. <laughs> considering that when he left on, and I guess Soft retired, he had just finished up. I'm right, knocking out Dominic Cruz. Yep. Uh, yeah, yeah, I, I would say that. Um, he hadn't sh really shown any signs of weakness when he retired it had been a very dominant reign the only critique of it that you could say was i think just similar to the the issues that demetrius johnson had during his reign just that people for the most part didn't really care too much about the flyweight division he tried his best he tried his best with his answer i mean he only you know, the flyweight the title fringe. The flyweight title was just even that first defense. Then he had to like move up and he was dealing with, he was dealing with a mess because TJ tested positive and he had to go win an interim title and then defend that title after it became a real title. That was a whole mess. Sorry to cut you off, but yeah, it was, it was very abrupt. If you remember correctly, right? He just kind of was just like, yeah, I'm done. Yeah. Uh, I think in a similar vein to what happened with John Jones, um, as you alluded to, mm -hmm. he wanted to be paid more money and Dana Wright was like, kick rocks i would assume behind the scenes so yeah i think we did miss not that he comported himself very badly in this fight i in the four rounds that i've watched so far uh it looks like he he fought a a pretty decent fight i mean aljermaine isn't exactly a, a shitty fighter to be to be going against but um the fight game can pass you up mike, mike say that again say, 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 mike say that part again for the for the people in the back maybe they didn't hear you about aljermaine what was it <laughs> What, what is it about the Bantamweight champion in the world that people don't seem to realize? <laughs> that, that he's a very good fighter? Is oh, he's not a shitty... No, no, not even that. You said he's not a shitty fighter, and some people don't seem to be willing to accept that. Like, <laughs> it's wild the disrespect this dude is getting. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I think to answer your question, um, it's, it's just the fact of the matter. Um, athletes' shelf lives um, in their prime are very short, unless you're doing a whole bunch of steroids. And... Uh, yeah, we missed out on some probably pretty good dominance by, by Cejudo um, during this run. But if he had stayed, we probably wouldn't have had Aljo as a as champ. Um, so in a way, it was probably a good idea. I'm, I'm much more interested in the flyweight division now than I was when he was champion. You mean Bantamweight? Yeah, sorry, Bantamweight. Yeah, well, flyweight too, shit. Um, Brandon Moreno's down there. Um, before we move on from Henry and get back to Aljo... Uh, Marcus, this guy was like taking gloves off and like he spent three years coming back to this point talking about how if he's not the best now he's saying going to post fight if I'm not the best don't know if I'm going to do this since that time since Saturday night he's already called out Marab uh, Divashvili probably because he was very jealous of how he looked in that jacket we'll get to that mm -hmm. um, and, Henry, and uh, Brandon Moreno said please don't retire after I win my fight in July I will move up to 135 pounds because uh, Brandon remembers all the shit Henry talked what, during the Figueroa stuff because he was Figueroa's mouthpiece. What do you think? You think he's going to – I mean, he already said – he already called out Marab. Do you think, though – how long? How much more Henry are going to get for a guy who's used to being the best, the very best at everything he's done? Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I, I Obviously, in the moment, I think he 
and they talked about it in the broadcast. He had he already had plans after winning him thinking he's going to win this fight. He wanted to go up to 45 and fight Alexander, right? And then losing this fight kind of curtailed that. And, you know, he didn't really know what he was going to do. It didn't seem like at the time, especially in his post fight, he was interested in a non-title fight, right? Like he wants gold on the line. He wants this fight to mean something. If he's going to go back in the gym and put in the time and, you know, this performance and him losing doesn't really put him in the position where he thought he was going to be, where he was going to go up another weight division and try to become the first triple champion. Right. I think that was his big goal. Um, Marab is an interesting matchup. I think Brandon Moreno is a fantastically, you know, compelling fight as well. Um, so I think there's some interesting things out there. I still think he has some star power, but I think he was thinking he was going to jump back in here. He was going to recapture gold at bantamweight and really be able to do some unthinkable, crazy things. You know, he was going to go up a netherweight division, which I think would be, you know, pretty crazy to go up against, um, Alexander and see what he does at 45. I mean, why wouldn't you? Why, why, I mean, in fairness, Sam, why wouldn't he believe he could do that given what he's done right. in his life at this point? <laughs> right. And I think, you know, a lot of people, like you said, just don't give Sterling a lot of credit. And I still don't think they will. And they might not for a while because he doesn't have his next fight's going to be Sugar Sean. And I don't think that's going to be, I think that's a fight where he should easily win. So if he, it's again, it's these expectations of a champion and, you know, where you want, you know, the guys that really have made a splash and, and get the respect that he lacks have had better performances, have had better runs, right? Like, and he's had a great career and, and you look at his statistics and it's like, well, this guy should be, he should be garnering a lot more respect. If not, I mean, look, it's one thing to try to get the fan base to, you know, to resonate with them because a lot of times you have to put on really exciting fights, right? But he should at least be you know, well-respected within the hardcore community where it's like, look at what this guy's done. Look at his win streak. I think this fight was most defenses at bantamweight. Um, I think yeah. it's the most longest win streak. Like he's, he's garnered a lot of records at this weight class, but still, I think there's a lot of people that just aren't as compelled with him because he hasn't, he, his style does not really get people excited where he's not having flashy knockdowns knockouts he's not having these like fantastic grappling exchanges he's really good at everything he's not like super spectacular at anything and then his performances have been like you know he he won the belt suspic not suspiciously but under like weird circumstances that wasn't his fault his rematch with peter yawn which he should get more respect for was a close fight where it was a split right yeah that um, had no business being a split he spent three right. rounds he right. went back back like, that guy like this one too it's like or he won um, and I, I think he won convincingly in that fight and in this fight and didn't deserve to be a split in either, but it wasn't like these, like where he put a beating on the guy, right? It was like, he won the round. He, he's getting he, blamed mm -hmm. for everything in his fights and not his opponents. Mm -hmm. Like I remember like with the, um, Jan mm -hmm. one where I'm like, it is not his fault where this guy threw the dumbest knee in human history. Sure. Absolutely. And I refuse to believe, I don't think he was acting that he was, he got need full got force. Okay. Yeah. And then they're like, oh, he's celebrating too much. And then he leaned into it eventually because mm -hmm. he's like, fuck these people. He beat, he won three rounds clearly against Yon the second time. TJ Dillashaw, it's not his fault the motherfucker fought with a dislocated shoulder. He put him out in what? Second round, he put him on the ground and just beat his ass, right? Once he like, once yeah. it started coming out, he's like, well, I'm going to finish this yeah. guy. I just think, I think we're reading, I think we're just trying to think too much. I think they just don't, people don't like him. I think it's something about his personality they don't like. I think it reminds me yeah. of Tyron Woodley. Didn't matter what Tyron Woodley did. Didn't matter when Tyron Woodley put on a fight of the night with Wonderboy. Didn't matter when he iced Darren Till. 
People did not like Tyron Woodley, no I, matter what he did. I feel, I do feel like there's, it, it's, it's absolutely some of that where like he just doesn't resonate with people. I do feel like his performances haven't been as exciting. You know, I think like his best performances were like the Sanhagen fight. He mm-hmm. like he smoked that guy. He beat him in like a minute. He got his mm-hmm. back and choked him out almost instantaneously. But other than that one, it's kind of been like. Again, he's a good fighter. He's extremely tactical. He's doing all the right things. He wins the rounds. He wins. He gets the W's, right? But they're not always the most exciting fights in the world. Or there is some kind of like weird circumstances where, yeah, he got illegally need or his opponent was severely compromised. Um, so I feel like that's a lot of the things he's facing. And then I do feel like he hasn't had that opposition that has really had to push him to go really hard. Like I think the Yan fights were competitive. Right. Like they were close, but there wasn't like he was getting beaten. He had to like pull it out of the fire. It's always been like they've been very technical fights. And I think that's kind of why he hasn't garnered kind of this kind of swell of excitement around him because he's not having these barn burners. We're not seeing him, you know, put a hurt on guys and we're not seeing him get hurt and have to come back. You know, you know what's it's wild? Kind of been standard. You, know, you know, Mike, you know, it's wild. The best weight class for most people in the UFC is 155 pounds. People will say 155 is the best, most talent rich weight class. Man, a lot of people say it's Bantamweight. A lot of people say Bantamweight is like, if not the deepest, is the second best weight class in the sport. He's champion of this weight class. He's champion of one of the toughest, deepest weight divisions. He's getting no love. Uh, Mike, they're talking I mean, They're talking about this guy defending his title against a guy named Sean O'Malley in Boston. Sugar Sean O'Malley. In, I'm, said, I'm emphasizing the last name. O'Malley in Boston in August. They want to say send Al Jermain, Jamaican child. I'm just, I'm just gonna say what, it. Uh, what are you What are you trying to say there? Because Boston, Boston is a racist ass town when it comes to sports. All right. These people broke into Bill Russell's house while he was winning them eleven championships and peed on his walls. This is these people. Okay, this is Boston. I know that was sixty fucking years ago. How many now, years ago also, was it? Again? On, how, how, how about that motherfucker in the outfield like two years ago talking about it? Yeah, I was just about to say. Before people start saying, oh, Bobby, you're bringing up something from 60 no. years ago. I was just about to bring up, yeah, black players on the Red Sox get jeered all the time with, you know, racial epithets. Look, I mean, I'm saying it. Tyron Woodley had this. It seems tough. I don't know, man. It seems like when you're a black fighter in this sport also, it seems like you got to, you know what I mean? Like, you got less you got less rope to pull, you know, before they like, you know, they, 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 they don't give you a lot before people just... I mean, I always make the thing where, like, Dana White seems to have a problem with every black champion he's ever had. You know? It seems like it. Um, I don't yeah, know. Almost um, stuck for him. There's five of them right now. In the uh, Sean O'Malley. having conniptions. Yeah, Sean O'Malley gets in the... By the way, what, why, what, what was that? I thought the UFC doesn't do this shit where we bring the guy into the cage. Like, Aljamain's in there with his, like, family. Henry's, like, in there. Like, everybody's, like, got, like, family in there. They're, like, the team is in there. And then Sean O'Malley comes in wearing the Michael Jackson jacket from the Thriller video. And, like, the best part of the card ensued is when he takes off the jacket and just hands it to his left to Marab Dibashvili, the actual number one contender, I think, to this title that he's not going to fight for. And Marab has been handed a jacket, and Marab's like, this is a nice jacket. I'm going to put it on. (laughs) So, like, they have this great photo of the stare down. But in the back of the stare down, Mark, you got Marab wearing this red jacket with the biggest shit-eating grin on his face. Um, mm. Putting that aside, Sean O'Malley makes one mistake 
and Aljo grabs him, I don't think he's going to get up. I'm just putting that out there, Mark. I think I keep, I feel I'm underestimating Sean O'Malley every time he fights. But mm-hmm. I, there's nothing, unless I'm missing something. Has there been anything to indicate he's got a fucking prayer if this guy gets a hold of him? Yeah, I mean, in that regard, you would think that's going to be his biggest weakness. And I, I think there there has been some mm-hmm. maybe undervaluing of Sean because he hasn't been super proven, right? Like, And, and his big shining star was that he fought Peter Yan. And, and he won a decision, again, that was very controversial. But I think even, even if you think he didn't win, he asserted himself very well. But stylistically, that was a good matchup for him. Whereas Sterling is going to be a little bit more difficult. I think it'll be interesting on the feet. But ultimately, I think Sterling knows like my best chance to put on a good performance and, and get this fight closed up quickly is to grapple, is to potentially get his back and, and go for that rear naked choke. So I, I think that's how it'll probably play out. And then again, I think that's why he's probably going to win that fight and still not really feel like he's the best in the division. Um, which is again unfortunate. Oh, you, like, it's just you, all this man's things. gonna choke out Sean O'Malley in front of that crowd, and they're gonna start whipping batteries at him the way people in Boston do. <laughs> yeah, all right, I mean, like that's that, what's yeah. gonna happen. Uh, real talk though, like that is. Um, I was, we I didn't mention, it, but like in this fight, I was pretty impressed with the way he was like just beating up Henry. Like to the he went to the body, he went to the legs. Like his distribution was pretty spread out like he really and like when it was over henry got a fucked up face he's getting beat up to the body he's gonna beat up to the legs i i think Algermain is a much better striker than he was like two three years ago i mean he's not putting guys out but just in terms of diversity of strikes mark i thought he really did a good job there no he did i mean he does he does everything really well and in what he did particularly well in this fight was like he he had that distance he had that range anytime he came in he would score against Henry and then get out, right? And Henry really had a difficult time navigating that range, getting on the inside and finding his shots. And it, it is something that Sterling's very good at. I mean, with Sugar, it's going to be different because he's going to be bigger than him, which so the size isn't going to be playing a factor, is going to be playing in his favor. Um, but I still think technically he's going to be very good on the outside. I think Sugar Sean is going to have to trap him a little bit. And I think it's the footwork. You know, he's really good at using lateral movement to not get trapped and not get cornered. Um, so I think that'll be an interesting he's fight, a, but it's also one he should He's play. a headhunter too, O'Malley. Like, I'm looking at his stats. He goes 70% mm-hmm. to the head. He needs to start. Yes, he needs to aim a little low on some of these. Or Aljo's coming under, right? Like, that's the, you would think. Not, I mean, he's got, I mean, he's, yeah, he's got a, Aljo's got to be careful coming in, but if Aljo gets gets this dude down or grabs a hold of him, I'm not saying he's getting tapped the guy out, but the guy's not getting up for the rest of the round. Like I don't think O'Malley's getting up for the rest of the round. He mm-hmm. might survive, but anyway, Mike, you got him. You give O'Malley. You think O'Malley gets it done? I don't care if they do it. No. In. Yeah. Okay. There we go. This is where we're at with O'Malley. None of us. Can, Mark gives him the most credit out of all of us, but it sounds however, like you still think Aljo's going to win. Here's the thing. So the thing <laughs> that you mentioned about. Uh, the UFC putting O'Malley in Boston against just a black dude. This also speaks to that. I think one big thing that leads to, I think some fighters getting the push and being popular is if they actually have Dana White kind of behind them. Uh, How often have any of the, like the fighters that like aren't like any of the champions that aren't popular with the fans, how many of them, are people that Dana White is on on the outs with. Oh, doesn't them. see eye to eye. All of them not exactly. named Diaz. 
<laughs> um, and Francis, I guess. Um, he was. It was the news was broken, by the way, to Aljo that they want him to fight in Boston. And he said, "That's news to me. I don't want to go to Boston." Dana, I've been trying to fight at the T-Mobile for God knows how long. I want to fight in Vegas. I want to fight in Vegas where it's nice and hot and go to a pool party. Boston is cool, but I want to go back to the West Coast. And then talking about O'Malley, he's going to be a big favorite. He'll probably be a favorite over there. Fuck, if, if O'Malley's the betting favorite, Mike. Yeah. Mike, if O'Malley's the betting favorite, I am going to lose. I'm going to lose. Oh, five units? Oh, yeah. I'm, we're going I'm, five I'm, units? Well, how many units we're going? <laughs> I'm going to come out of betting retirement. Yeah. Woof, that's Aljamain inside of three is what I'm going to be betting on right there. Um, but he's like, yeah, they got a bunch of Irish people over there, whatever. So we'll see. Um, I would rather Henry Cejudo not retire. I think Henry Cejudo still has a lot left to the game. I do think Henry Cejudo is a very good coach and smart fighter, and I don't think he'll leave necessarily. But I do think he misplayed his hand here, and we lost three years of this guy making money. And you know what? Three years ago, he would have I think he would have beaten Aljamain Sterling. You know, he does not, he seems not big enough for this weight class against Aljamain Sterling, though. Aljo looked huge in this fight. Like, Aljo looked massive compared to Henry Cejudo. With just no body fat either. Just fucking yoked, Aljo. Marcus, the co-main event, what do we really say, huh? One guy was playing wedding with a rolled ankle and coming off the couch after Ramadan. The other guy mm-hmm. tore his shit in the first round. I mean, I know we made we talked about how Bilal Muhammad doesn't get anybody's respect and he hasn't shown you anything. Mm-hmm. I think we recognize this fight didn't show you, but I think we also got to mm-hmm. say what was he supposed to do? I guess. Well, we should have tempered our expectations, I guess, a little bit for a off the couch, bad ankle, off of fasting for a month <laughs> fight. But W is a W is a W. He's there still. Yeah, it's a big fight that he needed to win, and, and, and he won, right? And if the circumstances are that, you know, Burns came in compromised and further compromised by getting injured, because that's what it, I guess the the commentary made it seem like how they were describing the injury, that maybe it was a pre-existing thing coming in, and then definitely when Burns tried to take him down in the first round and he kind of got slammed on that left shoulder when he got sprawled out, that really aggravated it, and then it was confirmed. I think in between the second and third round, Reese, like I can't throw my left. Do you think? He, then, do you think he went in compromise? I mean, the way he landed was rough. Like, I mean, if he was, was just, I don't think he was that. That was what the commentary said because of like they kind of said they were like they didn't. He didn't clearly say like, oh, my left shoulder, I think is hurt or something. Mm-hmm. Kind of said like it happened or something vague like that. Like they kind of knew. I mean, whether or not you know, I think both guys knew this was a big opportunity, a short notice fight, and and they rolled the dice. I think for um, uh, Muhammad, it was really just one of these things on a on a personal level, like we talked about last week. For me, has never really moved the needle. I haven't really been super impressed with any of his, his performances, and it's just because they've all kind of been like this for me, from what I recall from watching his fights. Where it's just like, yeah, he's good. It, it, it's um, it's it's kind of like the Sterling fight. Like, yeah, he did everything technically right. He was switching stances a lot. He was blasting left kicks to the body and to the head and doing a lot of damage to the farm. He was landing his shots. He was very strong and durable in the fight. There was a couple times Burns got some good hits on him, and he ate them like they were nothing. But it was at the end of the day where it was like, yeah, this guy's strong, durable, and skilled, but it's not like I'm going to be lining up to see his next fighter or super interested in you know him having a title shot outside of it being for the title and seeing what him and Leon can do in a rematch because they fought before. Um, and outside of that, it's just like, yeah, he continues to 
not super impress me, you know, and that bar is high, you know, not everyone does it. And getting W's sometimes means like, yeah, you're not trying to well, garner fan bases by getting spectacular knockouts and finishes. You're trying to advance your career by getting a W. Well, you know what? He went what he did do that. The guy getting a title shot didn't do is that he beat a top five opponent. He at least did that. That's true. Absolutely. Mike, he's been winning lots of fights. The the biggest winner of this fight was Colby Covington, right? Like Colby Covington's going to get that title shot. And people are going to say, well, we can't give it to Bilal because he didn't. The fight was boring, I guess. As if they never seen a fucking Colby Covington fight in their lives where he just, you know, grinded a bunch of dudes who are numbers fucking eight through 15. I guess I should stop being angry. I'm going to make a bunch of money betting on Leon on that one. Um, they're going to make you, you think gotta love, you think you, you got to love where mm. fighting and winning a boring fight is better than just not fighting. So here's the thing. All. If Leon is not going to fight until September, let's say October, right? Let's just say, cause everything's getting booked. They're really going to make, and Bilal did them a favor. Bilal and Gilbert did them a favor showing up on this card, which was bad on paper. Before, the car wasn't good enough before. When that fight was Benil Darius versus Charles Oliveira, this card wasn't what well, didn't justify the cost beforehand. Um, but he did them a favor and he fought. Are they going to make him fight again after this? Still after beating the number two or three guy, will they make him fight a th another time before he gets a title shot? It, it could be a Damian Maya situation where you know, like, what is it? Four years unbeaten isn't enough. No, I need you to get me ten. Dude, he, he did. He went short. You you think? I mean, they can't. Who would ever take another short notice fight with them? Like, why would you do it if you're not like the next person? That's who, Bobby. I don't know. Do you think he's? I mean, I'm asking you. Do you think they're gonna make him fight again, or do you think he just can wait and get a title shot in like let's I assume think March? Per, yeah, perhaps if he waits, he's not getting the next one. We all know that. Already. No, I mean, if he if let's say that fight happens and Leon takes care of business, um, is is Bilal getting the next title shot? I'm going to say no. You think they're going to do it to him again, huh? I, I think he, he's going to need a fight again. Um, because I think Dana White probably thinks, oh, this guy's a gamer. Like, next uh, next time I need a short, you know, short uh, short minute replacement. Notice. This is the guy. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah short notice. Thank you. I was mm -hmm. uh, blanking on the word. Yeah, I mean, Marcus, I mean, they, they're going to they're fuck him over, right? Let's just not lie to ourselves. He's not getting a title shot waiting for eight months after that performance. They're not going to give it to him. I'm, Doesn't I matter mean, how many. I, I think he's earned it, and that's at the very least what the broadcast was saying was like Dana White said, whoever wins this fight is next in line. And w Yeah, whether he has to wait after Covington or not, um, you know, I think that seems likely, um, unfortunately. But I think if I was in his shoes, I think he should have the right to wait um, and then what I could see happening is that it is like, okay, we have to wait for Leon and Covington to fight. They fight, maybe Leon wins and he wants to take some time off. He's injured or whatever, or just needs some time. I could see the UFC being like, well, interim, it's going to be a while. Do you want to take another fight and stay active? Or do you want to wait another six months? And then I think Muhammad might be like, I'll take another fight because like I said before, He's very skilled. He wins a lot of his fights. I think he knows that he can probably do it again, depending on who the opposition is, right? I think he's going to beat most guys in this weight division. There's a couple big fights out there that could be very difficult that maybe he would lose. Remember they were going to book him with Shaftcat up until they rebooked this one? They were like, we want him to fight Shaftcat. People are like, I mean, what did he do? one I think would They're be like, potentially why dangerous Why did he have to fight him? that guy? <laughs> like, what did he do to yeah, deserve that? I think there's other fights where potentially it's a... 
you know, a lower ranked guy and he would have a much easier time and it would be like, well, I'm going to stay active. I'm going to get another paycheck. I'm not going to sit on the sidelines. I could see him doing that where it's kind of like the UFC is like, we'll let you wait, but do you want to wait that long? And then I, I could very much see him being like, no, let's get another crack. I want to get another paycheck, another win bonus, and another time to get on the mic to try to garner more people. Because what I saw in this fight, more so than the fight himself, was after the fact, I think he's trying to play it up. Like, look, I'm not going to get very far with the nice guy, so let's let's try the heel angle, right? Like, it's working for Covington. That guy's a huge a-hole, and he keeps losing fights and getting title shots. Maybe if I go out here and say New Jersey sucks and you guys all here can blow um, – you know, maybe that's an avenue where he could garner some hate, garner some kind of reaction, right? Because um, I don't think the fan base is still behind Here's him. the difference. And I'm sad that this is the case. But hey, this is a reality here. Mm-hmm. Kobe can be just an antagonistic asshole, right? Mm-hmm. Um, because he's got the complexion, you know, to, to make that work. Ooh, I don't know, man. Palestinian dude being a heel. I don't know. Well, I think that's why when he talked, when after he said, like, New Jersey sucks, at the end of his thing, he's like, I'm just joking, right? Like, it has to be, like, at the end, like, I'm not really that guy. I'm just trying to, like, you be know what? funny. And I, I, think, I think we all need to ignore that crowd entirely and their feelings on everything. That was a garbage crowd. Um, we'll see where we go from here. We spent a lot of time in these two fights. Let's get going. We got a new, we got a probably a pretty, I'm going to say it. Let's call it the number one contender at, the, at 115 pounds, because why not? Mm-hmm. Jan Jonan knocked Jessica Andrade the fuck out. Um, caught her coming in, chasing. It wasn't just one shot. Like, uh, Jessica didn't know what the fuck to do, it felt like. Like, it was not going well, Mark. She was, mm-hmm. one of them was playing chess. The other one was playing fucking tag, okay? Um, she got put out. Second straight finish loss for Jessica Andrade. You knock out Jessica Andrade. We, we, you, we, you're fighting someone wearing, you know, gold next. Um... Jan Jonan, not known for having a lot of finishes, though, Mark. She just put her out. Let's do it, huh, baby? Wei Lee versus Jan, huh? I mean, yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, even before the finish came, she looked so good mm-hmm. in there against Jessica. You know, she was really utilizing her range, utilizing her footwork. And it seems like a couple fights where Jessica maybe didn't have the preparation, didn't really have the game plan besides, like, I'm just going to blitz them out, right? It, it kind of reminded me of the Blanchfield fight where it's like, mm-hmm. I don't know this opponent super well, but I know on paper people think I should win, right? And I think Blanchfield wasn't quite the case. But um, with Yana, we all thought like, well, there are two strikers. You know, she hasn't been super impressive. I think Jessica at this weight class should be a lot stronger and be able to, you know, get in range and then blast her out. And then, you know, Yan just was able to circle out, use the striking extremely effectively. And, you know, Jessica kind of you know, early on in the in the fight started to sell out. She's like, I got to get aggressive. I need to go in there swinging. Um, and sh- instead of trying to meticulously get in range to land shots, like I just need to force the issue. And she got caught with a big one and, uh, you know, got finished. I think that was a fantastic performance that not only garners her to be kind of put on the map, but like, yeah, in this situation where you have a Chinese champion and a Chinese contender, and you know they haven't they've done fights in china before right yeah they they, they made poor jessica (laughs) jessica won the title from rose and like right two months later they're like we'd like you to go to china to fight this fucking bulldozer (laughs) so i mean i I, that you know they're kind of saying that that's what they want to do here i think that makes a lot of sense 
Um, I think she definitely earned it. You know, Jessica has been, you know, has a very impressive career, especially in this weight class where she's looked particularly strong and, and that performance garners that kind of reaction. So I think, yeah, why not? Do yeah, it? This is Mike, the perfect time, it seems. Yan, uh, the first ever Chinese female fighter in the UFC. I think I was telling Mark, talking to Mark about this on Saturday. Uh, between Song Yadong and uh, Yan Zhonan, the Team Alpha Male outreach program to East Asia is, oh, is working Shanan. wonders, huh? Yan Shanan is uh, Team Alpha Male. She's also well. Team Alpha Male. Back-to-back weekends of uh, their fighters. Uriah got a thing going on there, man. When you're, <laughs> it's, uh, it's interesting. Um, and not just that their fighters are winning or are like fighting and fighting well. I don't know who's running the striking situation over at Alpha Male. Uh, but Mark, I mean, we talked about it last time where you're like, well, maybe he's going somewhere else too for that. We got two in a row here, man. I don't know. Someone's over there teaching kickings and kicks and punches and something. It's they got something happening over there in Sacramento with these guys. It's and you know between these two and they got some other young cats going on there. They still got Emmett is doing stuff. Team Alpha Male, not uh, the Team Alpha Male. This version of it got some got some things happening, huh? Yeah, no, it looks good. And I mean, yeah, it's it's interesting why they're they're getting or why these Chinese fighters are drawn to Alpha Male. Like, I don't know what exactly um, the situation is there. Maybe they have interpreters or translators or something. Because, I mean, the language barrier obviously seems like it'd be a bit of a hurdle. But, yeah, why so many of them have decided to go to that particular camp is We're just coming for American wrestling. We're, 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 we're coming to America. What's the little team? What's the little person gym? Little person, sorry. The smaller know. weight class gym that's good for wrestling? Maybe that. Yeah, I mean, you would think, you know, I mean, there's a couple gyms out there like America Top Team that seems to garner lots of international talent and stuff. But like Alpha Male in Sacramento didn't really seem to be a mecca for that stuff, yeah. but they have a handful of, you know, Chinese fighters. So I don't know. I, I don't really know what the what the draw there was or why they decide to migrate there. But it's been extremely you know successful for them they're, they're really filling in the holes that they need to and this was a huge performance for her so um yeah you know good on them yeah um mike jessica andraj not you know, i mean she'll be back right what else do we say you know she'll, she'll be, be back she'll be back but um damn shame um you know you, you always hate to see of uh, people that at one point were contenders and champions just start Fading away into obscurity. Uh, you think this was that? I mean, in fairness, she just fought a super. No, I mean, Blanchfield put her down. I don't think. I don't think she faded away into obscurity. I think that light got put out. That's fair. Yeah, too straight though. Too straight. Blanchfield put her out too at one twenty-five. Um, or finished her. She choked her, right? Aaron, Aaron choked her, right? I think so. And yeah. and that was after her Lauren Murphy fight. That right? was like the short notice. Sure. That was where like she stepped in for um I forgot who the fighter but Blanchfield was gonna beat instead. Um I was very confident in Blanchfield in that one. Um also on this card, um I don't even remember. What was the fourth fight? Oh um, Mozar Ivalov was supposed to fight Bryce Mitchell and I don't know what happened. And instead we got this guy with they're making a bunch of hot topic jokes about his hair. Um, Diego Lopez, um, really a, a put up a fight, man. Like there was a couple points where, like, at one point I threw five bucks on Diego Lopez in the middle of the fight. I'm like, he's gonna pull this off. He's somehow gonna pull mm -hmm. this off. He got tired. Uh, it started to get on him. The whole, you know, everything about Movsar, you know, his pressure, all that stuff got to him. 
But you know what, man? That's how you get into the UFC. You know, somewhere or another, you get into the UFC. I think that was his first fight in the UFC, this kid. I think. Yeah, yeah. It was his debut. I mean, the first round, he looked great. He heard him standing. Um, he got taken down mm. and then caught him in an armbar that was really close. Um, yeah, and it was definitely the second round where it's like, okay, now we're seeing the. I mean, and it's weird to call him the veteran Movzar because uh, Diego has more fights than him, but he's just been in the UFC longer. He's fought in you know what we consider to be higher competition. It, second round, it was like, okay, now we're starting to see the momentum mm. shift. Diego Lopez definitely looking tired. It looked like he took this fight on a couple's days' notice, and he kind of burnt his gas tank out in the first, and then. In the third, it seemed like it was more of the same, but he still went for it and almost got him in a knee bar, almost finished the fight in the last couple seconds, you know, where Mozvar was caught in a knee bar and we saw him wince and it was like, oh, maybe he could pull off the impossible. It wasn't enough. You know, I think uh, Mozar did good. I think maybe even that third round, he still won. But yeah, for someone coming in under short notice mm-hmm. on a pay-per-view, knew that this was a high pressure fight. He really kind of impressed me and I'll be interested to see where he goes from here. Um, Mike, Cron Gracie. Guy, we all, like, everybody thought the world of Cron Gracie, especially on the grappling side. Cron Gracie was, uh, you know, he didn't look like he wanted to be there. He looked like a guy who, um, the broadcast said, I think he had been out, basically, he he hadn't fought in the octagon since COVID started. So, about three years. And it looks like in all that time, perhaps he was running a whole bunch of jujitsu drills and doing nothing but GJJ with his with his legendary dad. It looks like he didn't pick up one set of mitts and one set of gloves because that that striking was lacking. He looked like um, he was going to take a nap at the press conference at one point. It was very I don't give a fuck the whole week. He looked like he looked like he was doing his best Hoist Gracie from '93 impression. Yep. Um, and then uh, from the undercard, Matt Provola drew it over. We wanted fireworks. We got fireworks. It was not. I, I I wanted to have a problem with the stoppage mark. Do you see this? The end of it. Yeah, I think I did see the end of it. And it, yeah, I, I can see. I want. I like, wanted to have a problem mm-hmm. with it, but man, he did not look like. I got what why I got stopped. I was like, I, either way, mm. I was like, okay, man. Like, he's bleeding all over the place. He's wobbly. He's doing the what the fuck face and the move, but he's wobbly in the what the fuck face, you know? Mm. Um, Frivola said he wants Patty Pimblett. Patty Pimblett's like, oh, it's real weird to call me out when you when I can't train. And I'm like, you've been calling out Jared Gordon for uh, man, two no, months. It's for two months. It's not. Yeah. No, it's, not it's not weird to call and you he's out. He's like, um, yeah, I'll fight Frivola. It's my easiest way to getting to the top 15. And I'm like, you okay, should great good let's do it and then uh people, yeah. and then frivola's like how about madison square garden that's where barstool is and i'm just like here we go patty doesn't want to pay for uh pay the taxes yeah he doesn't like the taxes yeah mike we going to that one uh we got you got another uh 600 for us to sit in very average uh, seats in uh, nah, it's, that, that's gonna be a no for me <laughs> yeah. dog i did i did it once in my life yeah that is it, it for, that, that might be it for ufc events for a while okay <laughs> so expensive um also on the undercard, we had uh, Chaos Williams get a big win. Uh, Devin Clark, the other guy, uh, Kennedy Nizajuku, looked to be about 15 feet tall. I don't know what's going on there. Did not look like they were in the same weight class. Berna Jandaroba with a huge, huge win over who was the number five ranked um, Marina Rodriguez. Um, 
John DeRobo was eight, was nine going into this. Marina Rodriguez was ahead of Jonan. So we'll see what happens with the uh, strawweight rankings. Probably going to be a bit of upheaval there if, you know, the six random people who make them, you know, see what's going on there. Parker Porter showed up in shape, looked real good, looked like he lost a lot of weight. I probably shouldn't have bet on his opponent after seeing that, but I did. Uh, nice quick finish. The other guy did not appear to know any grappling. So what happens at heavyweight? Guy makes it all the way to the UFC, not knowing any grappling. Um, all right, let me just get to the end here. They stated $5 million gate at, at the Prudential Center off 17,500 people. Mike, you want to compare it to the one we went to and see what the gate they did at that one, which was an infinitely better card that had John Jones, Uriah Faber, Crow Cop, you know, uh, fucking other people on there, huh? I'm interested. What is it? So that one did. I'm assuming it did more, right? That John Jones. It had. Yeah. It did two million. So we went from two million to five million in ten years. I do not think you can account all that for inflation. So UFC printing money these days, or should we say Endeavor printing money? Um. Fight of the night was uh, Movsar and Diego Lopez performances to Frivola and Jan Jonan. Some deserving uh, $50,000 winners there, Marcus. It's nice to see when it doesn't go necessarily to the people in the main and co-main event. Yeah. Necessarily. For sure. Um, all right. Uh, before we move on, did anybody watch one besides me? I did not. Okay. I saw highlights of a lot of the finishes, but that was it. It was uh, main event was main event was reminding me of this main event. In that, it was a good fight. It was a close fight. It was a very technical fight. But it didn't necessarily leave any memorable moment in it. Mighty Mouse and Moraes. Um, the difference was the whole rest of the card ruled. Um, Ong Lazong got a finish. Serge Sage Northcutt got a finish. Stamp Fairtex got a finish. Rod Tang knocked the dude out with a standing elbow. That was awesome. Um... Big update, big upset. Roberto Soldich went down, cost me a bunch of money. Son of a bitch. Um, the one show was better than the UFC show. Wasn't close. Just putting that out there. Wasn't close. Marcus, did you catch any highlights of the grappling thing with Mikey Musa Messi? Mm -hmm. I saw the finish. So, I saw the um, if you get a chance, go back and pull that fight up because it's like it's only one round. They go. I think it was only one round. The amount of pressure. Yeah, but it's he, like 10 minutes. He or just something. puts pressure on this dude the whole time. Just going from one to another is just. I like. I can appreciate some high level grappling sometimes. I think you would too. Mm -hmm. It's worth your time, that one. And um, yeah, one puts on a really good product. Um, and uh, Mighty Mouse teased retirement after this win. Um, he said he's going to go talk to his wife and then they brought his next opponent into the ring if he was to fight again and he said show me the money which sounds like you can Mighty Mouse will fight for you if you give him a big enough check sure. so we'll see that was at in Broomfield, Colorado which is right outside of Denver it was a the only commission or the first commission to approve their rule set so anyway uh, UFC is back uh, next week on ABC. We're going to be on national television. Um, it's Charlotte, next, uh, Charlotte, North Carolina at the Spectrum Center um, with Jolton Imeda versus the Biggie Boy. We'll talk about that in a few moments here. Um, just real quickly seeing if we missed out on any news. Um, besides Colby Covington calling Bilal Muhammad a racist. 
for reasons. Um, you guys catch Zuckerberg at the jujitsu tournament. He he, no. went, he competed in a jujitsu tournament. Yeah, he won, right? He got a gold in one thing. He got a silver in another thing. You know, he's he's picking up. He's he's learning some stuff, I guess. Um, announcement: We got Mackenzie Dern versus Angela Hill main eventing five round main event. Okay, May twentieth. I thought it was canceled off this card, so I didn't know what happened. May twentieth, which. Uh, I hope they aren't asking people to pay for this. Just looking at the card. Um, I don't think May 20th is a... It's, it's a fight night. It's not a, a paper. No, it's not. I mean, I'm saying... I hope they're not even asking people to pay for tickets. Like, it's real thin, oh, this one. Yeah, I don't know where it's at. I think yeah. it's an Apex one, if I'm not mistaken. Um, that's real soon, May 20th. By the way. Like, that's... Yeah, but they're supposed to fight on this card. Oh, though. okay. Yeah. Um... We had a injury to the main event UFC 289, and not that I'm wishing injury on anybody, but we're all better for it. Um, Amanda Nunes is now defending her title against Irene Aldana. Mm -hmm. So the opportunity for a fourth Mexican champion exists beside before uh, Yair hits the uh, the iceberg that is Volkanovski a month later. Um, Marcus. Aldana's a live dog in this one, I think. A live, live dog. I wouldn't pick her necessarily, but mm -hmm. I'm way more interested in this one because, I don't know, you wonder if, like, maybe a let-up by Amanda after exercising the Pena demon? I don't know. I mean, I don't want to disparage the greatest female fighter ever, but I'm just looking at Irene Aldana and the way she's fighting these days, and I think she'll still be there. Like, the way that Juliana just went through the fire, Irene is the same type of fighter. Like she will still right. be standing. So, and I, I, I think that's what you're kind of alluding mm -hmm. to is like in a world where Pena did defeat Amanda Nunes, we saw that that chink in the armor. Irene seems a lot more competitive in that realm, right? Like if in a world where Amanda just beat Pena the first time and then it was Irene, we'd all think like, oh no, she's going to demolish her. Like she's just not at that skill level. But because we saw someone kind of draw. Amanda Nunez into a slugfest was able to survive that. Um, and Amanda didn't have anything left. You know, if Amanda goes in with a similar kind of mindset where she's just going to be able to walk right over her opponent, um, you know, when she combats up against that, and that, that doesn't happen. It could be a very difficult fight. So I think on paper, it's, it's a lot more intriguing just because, you know, none of us really want to see a Pena three, especially at this juncture. I mean, I think in general that that fight doesn't, get a lot of people this excited. If she doesn't fight somebody else, that fight, yeah, I don't got anything for me right now. Well, it's now. just like, she just, it was such a, it was such a stomping in that last fight. She I don't, got 50, there's not 43. much interest. Yeah, uh -huh. so I mean, let Pena have a different fight. Let her kind of get back, get that, some of that aura back, you know, get back in the win column. Um, and I think Irene is, is a good fresh look for Amanda Nunes. That makes it a lot more exciting. And you can throw in that Mexican angle too. Now that they have multiple champions, this would be another potential opportunity. And again, I think it's even with um, uh, Grosso winning, it's kind of like, well, now that we know that that camp can produce a champion. So here's another crack at it. You know, can they, you know, do it again? And, and speaking that's, of that's that That's a big camp, deal, man. I'm not going to go, but yeah. like, once a jam breaks through, you're like, that means something. That they can we do were it. just talking about Diego Lopez in this last fight. He's also from that camp. And he, you know, as a guy who's never been in the UFC, 
fighting a highly ranked, highly skilled top 10 fighter, came in and really acquitted himself very well in the short notice fight. So that camp, I think, in and of itself is getting a lot of hype and pressure and, you know, is really coming into its own that we're seeing them as as type flight. So let's see what they do. I think it's, yeah. I think it's much more intriguing. Mike, um, I think we know everybody from that Lobo gym, dogs. All of them. Anybody who's come out of that gym, just a goddamn dog. What do you think, though, man? Just on his face right now, Amanda Nunes and Irene Aldana. This is in four weeks. Um, for some reason in Canada, um, Amanda just stay fighting, main eventing, iffy-ass cards in random places. <laughs> just, I swear, her and Aljo, they don't want him to sell two tickets, ever. What do you think, man, though? Just looking at it, what do you, I mean, seems like a, I think this is a bigger challenge. This is a much bigger, I mean, I think this is a cha- bigger challenge for no other reason. It's a different challenge. For Amanda Nunes. I, I think it's going to be a big challenge for her. and But I think selfishly for me, I think it's going to have the possibility of being a very exciting fight. Um, I think that's the main thing that I'm focusing on. Um, <clears throat> I think that in addition to the fact that um, Amanda has shown, I don't know if I want to call it a slowdown or if the women have just caught up to her. In, in, in her division, but I think this is going to be, if not as big a test, a bigger test than Pena has been. Not obviously not in the last fight, but in the first fight, I think there's a, I think there's a real possibility that Aldana could get her in this fight. So I'll be looking forward to it. Yeah. Um, yeah. We'll see where we go from here on this one. Um, that card's not good. Co-main, it's, it's like this one, where like the co-main event is what should be the third fight. It's uh, Oliveira and Dariush. You need to put two title fights. You got to give me two title fights, or that other fight's got to, or you got to give me like, well, you got rid of one of the guys who would substitute, which is Nate. But you got to give me Connor or something like that, then, if you're not going to give me two title fights. Um, other news we got, uh, Tony, Erger, Tony Ferguson got arrested for DUI. Flipped his car in Hollywood. Um, seems like he's okay, though, thankfully. Um, and I, he crashed his car into parked cars, so it sounds like everybody else was okay, at least, too, so thankfully. I worry about Tony Ferguson. We talked, we've been talking about it for a few years, Mark. I worry about Tony Ferguson. I, Mm -hmm. we need to, let's just, you know, someone check on him, man. According, oh, he was very uncooperative when taken into custody. Well, no shit. We've all seen drunk Tony Ferguson. He's like the worst drunk ever. All right. Terrible drunk. We all saw the ultimate fighter. Um, other thing we got is the PFL slash Bellator PFL news that we don't need to get too far into, Mike, just because none of this has been confirmed yet. But it sounds like they're about to back up the Brinks truck for Mr. Francis Ngannou to compete in MMA. And sounds like they're going to buy Bellator. These are the two things that sound like they're on the verge of happening. While I'm not, I didn't know they had. I didn't know they had that much money. Well, when you're trying to, you know, clean a lot of money, you got to spend it here or there. You know what I mean? You got to move it from here to there. Uh, kidding aside, Mike, um, I'm kind of torn. I want to get your thoughts on this. I like the idea of people having a lot of different places to work, but I do think that the consolidation here between these two would actually be good. Just especially if, if, especially if like their Showtime is really trying to get out of the 
Bellator business, you know, and like they didn't make a real offer towards Francis Ngannou allegedly. I don't know. I think this is actually like they both both uh, both of these the guys have star. They both have talent. Bellator seems to turns to skew towards the older UFC fighters and try to get eyeballs like that. PFL's chance to trends to skew towards a lot of young talent like that come off the UFC too, like Shane Burgos and stuff like that. I don't. I think I think overall this is a good thing. What do you think? Assuming it happens, mm-hmm. I I think it could be because I think one thing that maybe you run a normally you would run a risk of. Um, I think in a merger like this is that you're thinking, well, where are we going to find all the fights for these fighters? But mm-hmm. I think in the case of the PFL and Bellator, it's not like they run that many events. And if you're combining the rosters. Um, and let's say you keep up the same number of events, but just now this time it's under the the, the PFL moniker on ESPN. Mm-hmm. Uh, if I'm right, as yep. well, PF, PF, PFL still on ESPN. That is a huge audience, I think, for this combined roster. It's going to be, I think, fairly good amount of star power when it comes to young up and comers and the established guys that like Bellator has. So. I think this is one of those cases where it might be a bit of a no-brainer when it comes to this merger. I think it's also good for ESPN. I think it's good for ESPN too. Wonder if ESPN is going to let them is going to let them get away with saying we have the best heavyweight in the world. We have the real heavyweight champion. You know what I mean? I'm just saying they're going to let that happen. Also, UFC is going to go into contract negotiations with these guys just sitting there ready to take their place. I think this now, is not the worst what, thing that's happened, man. What I wonder is. If this happens, right, and PFL becomes, I mean, am I engaging in too much hyperbole if I, if I say they'll become a better number two than Strikeforce ever was in the late aughts? I don't know, because they let Strikeforce go on CBS and Strikeforce. Strikeforce had a lot. There was a lot more stars from the Pride era that were hung around that didn't end up. Like, they right. had Fedor and, you know, you had Nick out there, and you had some other. I don't know. You forget how good Strike Force was. Some of that talent. Mark was going to all those events. They had, they had dudes. But mm. what I'm trying, what I'm trying to get at with that is that if you have a legitimate product with very good talent on your end, a lot of well-known talent from the Bellator side, would ESPN actually start having segments on PFL? Let's say on a random sports center will steven a try to pretend like he knows pfl fighters like he pretends to know ufc fighters would this actually lead something in espn because as as you guys might know already when espn is in the game to broadcast you know either nhl or mlb or you know some big thing then people on like around the horn or part of the interruption or whatever they're talking shows are actually start talking about them a bit would this happen with pfl if it actually becomes a a really viable thing yeah it's uh i mean let's just be honest they showed up on espn relatively the same time close to it as the sale of the company and we're now worth three times what they paid for it right it's not an accident didn't hurt it's the number one cable provide it's the number one cable channel in the country easily like easily number one cable channel in the country is ESPN. I think it's a big deal, Mark. I hope it happens. Honestly, now that I think about it, I do hope it happens. We'll see what... Uh, yeah, I think it'd be interesting. I- I'm not opposed. 
Yeah, uh, we'll see. And I'm all about Francis getting doing whatever he wants, man. Big Francis supporter over here. All right, uh, let's make some picks and then move on with our move on to stuff we like. Uh, Mike, um, you're in first still. We didn't move. None of us picked anything well. We went one and four, three, right? All of us collective. All of us except Chalk. Yeah. Chalk went two and two. All right. Um, we're gonna pick. Uh, this fight's in Spectrum Center in Charlotte, North Carolina. I'm assuming Spectrum is the horrible internet provider that. Mike, you got Spectrum right now. I do have Spectrum. There we go. Fuck them. Um, really interesting. We're gonna go to North Carolina with the Biggie Boy versus uh, Jolton Almeida, but okay, why not? This isn't a bad card though, quite frankly. We're only picked the top three, but I'm looking like six. Seven fights deep, Mark. It's not some stuff happening here, actually. There's some a lot of interesting, you know, a lot yeah. of interesting fights. And, and and they lost one of their main card fights too. That was going to be Dern and Hill, and I think that would that's an interesting fight too. So yeah, this main card you can look at it and be like, oh, I can kind of understand why they might have this on network. Maybe. I mean, I still think even for that, I, I well, would it was going to be Johnny Walker versus Anthony Smith was going to be the main event. Mm-hmm. That was going to be the main event, and then uh. Then it became a three-rounder or something. I don't know what happened exactly there. Okay. That's still on the card. Let's uh, let's look at the things here. The Biggie Boy, Jolton Almeida. Uh, this one feels like it may not take very long. Um, Biggie Boy knocked out Chris Daukus. Um Famously, we discussed how Chris Daukas, his only losses are two very large African-American fighters. Just keeping that train going. Um Jolton Almeida, I was a big fan of this of the ass whooping he put on uh, Shamil Abdurrahima. Uh, fight wasn't close. Fight was it felt like Almeida Mike was he intentionally looked and saw that the over under was one and a half rounds, and he's like, "I'm gonna wait till one and a half rounds has passed, and I'm ending this fight." And then he did. <laughs> um, betting odds for this one, um, we got the Biggie Boy coming into this one as a massive underdog. Fuck. I really thought there was going to be an opportunity for me to do something here, being the Jolton Almeida mark that I am. Uh, Mike, make your pick. I know it is. Plus 400 for the biggie boy. Come on. Yeah, you want it's, it? <laughs> it's, I do not. Uh, maybe, you know, maybe I'll throw a five or a 10 on there if I was still betting mm-hmm. uh, on Rosenstroik. But no, I'm going with Almeida in, in this one. Um, he's had a pretty good run of knocking people out in the first round i think he's knocked out two of his last three or three of his last four three of his last uh, five finishes in the first round knockout or submission three of five that's that's pretty good and uh rosenstrike he hasn't really been able to piece things together um recently and i think i think he's been knocked out a few times um in, in his last few fights so I think this is a bad combination uh, for Rosenstroik. There's a reason why he's like a plus 400, plus 500 underdog. Mm-hmm. So not much else needs to be said there. Uh, Mark, I got I got Almeida. You got Almeida? Yeah, I'm going to pick Almeida. I, I'm going to be honest, though. Um, the line's the biggest thing for me. Because I don't, I don't know if I've seen a lot of Almeida's fights. That's a so big again, line for a two guys who throw who end fights early. Well, Just put I that mean, out and there. You look, okay, I, I, his last fight, maybe he won by TKO. But this guy wins by submission more so than anything else. I think that's and why Rosenstrike, the line is what it is, to be honest. And, and Rosenstrike's never been submitted, though. So, I mean, I, I think there's some live underdog stuff going on here. But You're gonna do I want to put my pick on the line? No. But when we come back next week and it's like, oh... 
Look at we picked three my, fights. My, my, my Mark's saying we, we need to sprinkle a couple bucks on the Biggie Boy here is what it sounds like as a four to one underdog. We sprinkle right. maybe a couple Again, bucks by Biggie Boy by first round knockout just to see maybe because if it doesn't happen in the first round, I feel the Biggie Boy is uh, is not going to go well. <laughs> well, I think one thing too is like I think he's gone you know five rounds before you know so I do like that aspect too. Now, did he win every round that he went five rounds with? No, he he went five with gain and he lost. But he went five with Overeem and and actually he didn't actually quite make it to the end of that round. He was getting his, he was getting his, his murdered. He won too. in the last ten seconds. Um, yeah, <laughs> but I, I don't know. I I see what you're saying. If I didn't. Yeah, if I didn't know what the line was, I might pick Rosentrick. I'm not super familiar with Almeida, but um, that line's pretty convincing and. I'll go with the popular kids. They've probably seen this. Well, let me guy tell you, fight, buddy. So. When I was making fun of, when I was talking about waiting until after uh, he went over to a uh, round and a half, I was one mm-hmm. of those people who had been under under round and a half. Just right. watching him on top of this guy, we're taking his time, and then I'm like, "Whenever you're ready, bro." Then he's just beating his ass. All right, all of us for Jolton Almeida co-main event: Anthony Smith, Johnny Walker. Feels like five rounds would have been appropriate for a fight like this with these two guys ranked uh, where they are. I think we got ourselves two top fivers. Is um is he back at top five, Walker? His weight class isn't that deep. No, he's seven. Honestly, not sure. Number five versus number seven. Anthony Smith, Johnny Walker. Anthony Smith has not fought since last July when he took on Mangomed and Kalayev. He was the backup fighter for uh not the Jamal Hill one. The Ankalaya versus um what was the one that they just decided no one gets a title shot when it was a draw? Um, Jan. Jan, Jan, Jan. That's what it was. And uh, uh, Johnny Walker kind of uh, making changes to his career since joining TriStar, or sorry, leaving, going to uh, SBG Ireland. Two straight wins. Knocked out Paul Craig with a standing back fist in his last fight. That was real cool. Fight before that, tapped out Ion Kutalaba. Betting odds for this one is basically a pick on Mark. What do we think, Mike? Hmm? I'm going to be going with Anthony Smith uh, in this one. Um, Johnny Walker, since he's joined TriStar. Yeah, TriStar, right? SBG. The Kavanaugh one. Wait. We thought he was at TriStar for a cup of coffee. He's at okay, SBG. Yeah, yeah. He's at TriStar, then he's at SBG. He's, he's fought more intelligently. Um, he has over his last few fights. But um, I think think when it comes to strategy uh he's doing he's starting to do something that i think anthony smith has i think been very adept at doing already uh, i think anthony smith has a higher fight iq um i think he'll have the better game plan going in i think he'll take a you know i, I think he'll feel his way out first few round like first round and then i think he'll try to use his wrestling to get it to the mat and Get a get a decision one. Yeah, I got I got uh, Walker because I think you know kind of what Anthony Smith is at this point. Seems like Walker's on the uptrend. I think uh, he's. I think Jaw Kavanaugh over there at SBG has really done good work with him. I think he's fighting much smarter. And uh, that being said, of course, he's virtually capable of just doing the stupidest shit possible. Um, I, I think, I don't know. I think Johnny Walker, man, I think he's a young cat still, right? We're still, he's still relatively young. He's 31. Anthony hasn't fought in a year. He's 34 years old. He's had a million fights. I'll take Johnny Walker. Mark, who do you got? I know you're a big, you've, you picked Anthony Smith in a lot of fights. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, I like Anthony. I think he's, he's 
in this fight, maybe a little bit more technical, maybe a little bit more well-rounded. But I, I do like Walker um, in this fight. I do think it's really close. I think either of these guys can win. Um, I do think Walker is just a little bit more dangerous. I feel like he hits harder. He's a little bit more unpredictable. Um, he potentially could catch Anthony being smart, trying to be tactical, trying to work on the outside. Um, and could, you know, find themselves in a situation like in Walker's last fight where you seem like you're relatively safe going for a single leg and you get hit with something kind of unorthodox that, you know, this guy just wings out punches and knees and, and kicks. And as long as he keeps it somewhat reserved and doesn't really just overexpose himself and make huge mistakes, um, he could pull off these wins. Um, also, you know, Anthony's been finished a lot by knockout. Um, that's kind of how Walker wins. So I'm kind of thinking that seems somewhat likely that that might be the outcome here. All right, uh, Mike and I on the side. Uh, and uh, I think Anthony was a sv- is basically a pick em. Wait, wait, Bobby, did you pick? I thought you picked Walker. We did. Me and Mark and I, Mark and I, did both did yeah. pick Walker. Yeah. Um, and uh, technically, well, it's basically it's a pick em. Basically, I don't know what you want to call it. Depending on where you look, it's minus one ten, minus one ten, or slightly I, the other I, way. I saw on Best Fight Odds, Anthony Smith was like a minus one oh five. I'm like, all right, I'm just I'm just putting Smith as the favorite. Ah, it seems like a double favorite, but whatever. It's fine. Uh, Daniel Rodriguez, Ian, Mach- Ian Machado, Gary. Um, don't like the line here, Mark. Minus 300 for Ian Gary. Daniel Rodriguez plus 240. Um, I'm going to go ahead and tell you guys, I'm picking Ian Gary. I'm assuming Mark's picking Ian Gary. We're part of the Ian Gary fan club here. That lies fight, Mark. Uh, things got a little dicey. And Daniel Rodriguez is a good fighter. Daniel Rodriguez, this is a step up for him, I think, for uh, Gary. That being said, I think he'll meet that challenge. So I got I got Ian Gary. Who do you got? I'm bucking the trend. I think this is where he's going to lose. This is where it goes? And I didn't, <laughs> yeah, and I, I didn't actually see Gary's last fight. So I was mostly just hearing that he didn't do super well in the early on. I'm just thinking, like, um, you know, we've seen Daniel Rodriguez fight, you know, I wouldn't call it, like, top flight competition. But, like, guys that are ranked or he hovering the in that leech. space. That's what we're saying. He fought the Leech. <laughs> he fought Kevin Lee. He fought Mark, uh, Mike Perry. And he beat those guys. Um, so, I think maybe this is where Gary... I, I think this is his biggest test. And while he's looked good, he, he hasn't looked unflappable, right? It hasn't looked like... Ian Gary isn't Conor McGregor. He's very much in that kind of realm where it's like, this guy's good and he's he's competing well, but like he hasn't fought these top, top guys to really see where that bar is. Um, this is probably, you know, that type of fight where, you know, I don't think Daniel Rodriguez has a big name necessarily, but he's fought in a lot of guys we know. He's beaten some of those guys. Um, so, yeah, I'm going to go on a limb and go with uh, Rodriguez in this one. Mike, Mark's going with the plus 240 uh, dog. Are you joining him? No, I'm going. Mike, are you picking? Young, a, are you picking young, an underdog until you're not in first place at any point? Just out of curiosity, at any point. Yeah. How about you? You you worry about okay. your picks. Just I worry not. about my. Yeah. Picks. Okay. We got it. Mike's checking. My mouse is right down. Mike is picking the favorite for that one. Go ahead. <laughs> All right. Give me the guy who's young, dumb, and full of cum. Give me Ian Gary. Okay, and make it crude. Um, that's all we're picking. Uh, this is a good card, though, guys. This is a real good card. I like a lot of these fights. I like, I mean, honestly, if you ask me what should have been the five-round main event, it's Matt Brown versus Court McGee. That's that's the that's the main event for me. Matt Brown versus Court McGee. It's fight, that, that's a fight, my, uh, my Mark, that they booked saying, man, didn't you like MMA in 2010? Are you still around? This fight's for sure. you. Um, Chase Sherman, Carl Williams. I'm a, I like Chase Sherman. Cody Staman's a good fighter. Alex Morano and Tim Means. 
Man, they're letting Diet Matt Brown higher on the card than Matt Brown there with Tim Means. That's all Tim Means is, a lesser Matt Brown. Um, this is in a arena that holds... I can't tell. So, who knows? Um, up to 20,000 people. They're not putting 20,000 people for this event. So, we'll see. I'm sure they'll sell well. Uh, I don't know how often the UFC goes to Charlotte. So, this is, uh, this is a big thing for them. And if you want to watch something else, Bellator's got an event the night before with um, Sweet and Sassy himself, Gegard Mousasi, taking on uh, Fabian Edwards um, in the main event with, uh, we got some lightweight quarterfinal shit going on with Brent Primus. We got Douglas Lima on the card. We got Tybalt Goaty on the card. There's some people, man. They got some guys on this one, Bellator, um, in front of nobody. Actually, it's in France. So it's actually going to be at like one in the afternoon here. Anyway, let's do uh, let's do stuff we like. Mike, you've been gone for a couple of weeks. What do you got? Yeah, so I have uh, two things, actually. One of them is a show that's on uh, Showtime. Is Showtime still a thing? Yes. Okay. Uh, it's a show that's on Showtime called Yellow Jackets. Have you guys ever heard of it? Yep. Mm-hmm. Oh, uh, well, yeah. I decided to start watching it on uh, on a whim, mainly because I was uh, I was bored here in my uh, my house today, and it was it's it's very entertaining. Um, who's in it? Uh, Christina Ricci's in it. Um, that's why I know where the show exists. Some some girl from Two and a Half Men and uh, Juliette Lewis. Uh, basically, the show is about. Well, I don't want to say too much, but it's about a soccer team who uh, their plane crashes and a lot of weird shit starts happening. And cool thing I like about that show, and frankly, any show that kind of does this or movie where they go back and forth between one time period and another and they intersplice it between the two and you know push the narrative uh forward in each time period based off what happens in in the other so i've watched maybe about four or five episodes uh just today um i'm probably gonna watch one more before i go to bed tonight and the second thing you know, I would just say it's the uh, the generosity of man at times. So what I'm referring to is, as you guys may already know, and if you don't know now, you'll know when it's November and none of your shows have come back um, on the air yet, is that the uh, we are now going through the, the latest writer strike um, in Hollywood. Last one we had was back in 2007 or 2008. That one lasted for about 100 days. This one, from everything I've read, is shaping up to be even longer. As a result of various things, I think most of it has to do with uh, streaming and internet and you know royalties that writers just aren't getting from, from that. But in particular, uh, a staff writer for the show The Bear which won, I think, a bunch of awards and was critically acclaimed last year. He went on the Dan Lebetard with a Stugat show last week, and he talked about how you know he went and got all these awards and 
All he earned for that show was about $30,000. He's gotten nothing in residuals, even though it's probably been streamed God knows how many times. Um, and he just generally talked about the general state of affairs when it comes to the financial situation with a lot of writers in, in Hollywood. And it was a very interesting conversation. The guy was very personable, um, kind of almost laughing through his pain. And at one point, he made almost a slight little joke where it was just like, yeah, man, so if anybody wants to throw me a few bucks on my Venmo, you know, let me know. Ha, ha, ha. And then he just kept on with whatever point he was trying to make. And Dan Levitard uh, stopped him and said, no, no, give out your Venmo. And the guy goes, no, no, I'm not going to do that. And Dan goes, no, 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 give it out. And the guy says his uh, his Venmo, and he goes, oh, I'm not really expecting anyone to send me anything. And Dan Levitar says, oh, you don't know what's coming your way. Mm -hmm. uh, you don't know how our fan base is. And to that point, after that interview, I actually Venmoed the guy five bucks. Um, that interview was on a Thursday. By Sunday night, he put up a, a video on his Twitter account just he looked mind mind fucked where he said uh you guys have sent me over twenty thousand dollars and by today's episode of the dan levitard show it was up to thirty thousand dollars so yeah that doesn't help uh, all of the writers in hollywood but at least this one guy will be able to pay his bills for a bit that's awesome what was his name alex o'keefe Okay. Go send Alex O'Keefe more money, people. Or send us money, actually. Like, give out your Venmo. <laughs> M.E. Sanchez 17. All right. Alex, if Alex O'Keefe got 30 G's, I want 40. Let's 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 do it, guys. That's an M, that's an E, that's a Sanchez, that's a one, and that's a seven. All right? Yo, man, I'm, 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 I'm the one who's pipping this thing out. I want 10% for, uh, for the pipe here. <laughs> for... All right. Much like, uh, much like a lady in a lap dance. Show me you love me. Okay. Well, that probably cost you a few dollars right there. Um, <laughs> all right. Um, I'll let Marco last because I don't think mine's that. Uh, mine's more general stuff and like stuff that's happening. Um, I just say this again. Uh, Ted Lasso shows really, this season's really hitting its stride, I think. I don't know if anybody, everybody's up to date. You guys up to date? Mm-hmm. Okay. You guys are. All right. I am. So after the show, we're going to talk about that because we're saving that for... I think we're another three episodes left, I think. I think it's end of the month. Maybe four. We're done at the end of this month, I believe, on this season. Um, Does feel like these guys recognize they have a critically acclaimed show and they have a little bit more uh, rope. You know what I mean? The leash is a little bit looser with what the stuff they're talking about, though. So I dig that. And then other thing I like is that, uh, man, shout out to Bad Bunny. Did you watch this thing, Mike? I haven't watched it yet, but I saw the entrance. And Dude, like, every 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 la every Latino loves Bad Bunny, but I mean Puerto Rico, that was wild. Dude, it was like Mark. You you know Bad Bunny, right? Yeah, I actually saw a little bit of this match, like okay. in the middle. So I saw some run-ins. This dude came out. And it was like if Michael Jackson and Jesus came out hand in hand into a concert. Like, mm. the celebration. And this guy's playing some song that I guess is one of his earlier hits, my girlfriend was telling me. And the crowd knows all the words. And this dude's just going. And, like, 
you know, the other guy, and like, you got to think about like, he's doing, he doesn't like, I was, I was, I watched it actually back with my parents because I was telling my dad, like, this is the biggest musician in the world right now. Like, he easily is the number one musician out there in terms of number of streams. It's all him. Like, he already has the record in that arena for Gate. It's his as a performer. And like, he doesn't need to do this. And man, I hope that they know what they got there, Mike. Like, how lucky they are that this guy grew up a fan. That they're just like, we want to go to Puerto Rico and do an event. And we want you to wrestle on it. And he's like, fuck yeah. You know what I mean? Like, like this guy did Coachella like three weeks ago and met like a week ago. I and even, then like. Was that even three weeks ago? Dude, is it just oh, back yeah, the to Met, back? The Met, the Met was on Monday. Yeah. yeah. He was at the Met Gala on Monday. And in a San Juan. Well, what is it? Street San fight. Juan Street Fight. Five days ago. Dude, late. he he hit Go. that. Uh, you guys, he hit the slice bread number two. Which is not an easy move to do or you one you see that often shout out to his trainer i guess he, he uh brian kendrick worked with him on it um and that's one of brian kendrick's mood he he fucking domed himself doing it like he spiked himself doing that move he took a falcon arrow onto some shit the, the, i laughed harder at him getting a trash can kicked in his face than anything this weekend besides marab divishvili those are my two favorite moments of the weekend um I went back and watched it again because I was showing it to my dad and my dad, I was telling my dad, I'm like, this is my, I'm like, dad, this is the equivalent of like, if in like 1999, Eminem is just like, yeah, fuck this man. I'm going to go wrestle too. Like in, in Detroit, no, but that's the thing. In Even Detroit. if he said, yo, yo, let's have WrestleMania backlash in Detroit. It would not be like the atmosphere was in that walk-in mm. in Puerto Rico for Bad Bunny. Because let's also remember that Puerto Rico does have like I guess some type of history when it comes to hardcore wrestling mm -hmm. from, from when I read over the weekend. So like a, a yeah, San Juan Street fight was right up their alley. Yeah, they uh they killed Bros and Bruiser Brody there too. And they just let it happen. Yeah. <laughs> That's another thing that happened in Bruce, in uh Puerto Rico. Dude, that was awesome. Let's, let's, mm -hmm. let's also let's also remember Damien Damien Priest, he had to have been so fucking giddy because he is also Dude, Puerto Rican. He's himself. from this. You know they asked Bad Bunny and Bad Bunny. You know he asked for Damien. You know he did. Like because like they're from the same little town. Also, apparently, they're both from this little ass town in Puerto Rico. They tag team together. You know they're boys at this point. Like that was the biggest match of that guy's life, and he like they did perfectly. They just perfectly executed that match. Everything was done well. The kids set. You can't be a. They don't let you be a celebrity wrestler and be bad anymore. You can't get away with it. You know, even when Shaq did it. Remember when Shaq did the AEW show against? Uh, it was him and um, uh, Red Velvet uh, against Jade and uh, no, him and Co him and no, well, him and Jade, him and Jade. against yeah. Red Velvet and Cody. And like Shaq is fifty fucking years old almost, and he went through a table. Like, you got McAfee doing stuff. You can't be bad. They won't let you yeah. be bad anymore. Like, you can't just show up, cash a check. You got to, like, you got Logan Paul wrestling and tearing ACLs and stuff. Like, I don't know. I was really, I was really impressed with Bad Bunny. You know, overall, just really impressed. And um, it was nice. Marcus Savio Vega comes out at one point. You saw that part? Uh, I saw, um, right? who's the guy that eats the apple? Oh, Carlito. 
Carlito. Yeah, I they, saw him. they celebrated for Carlito like it was Hulk Hogan. And then Savio Vega. I remember Savio Vega's heyday in the WWE. Nobody was that yeah, excited I, to see Savio wrestle. Anybody. Yeah, I saw him. I just saw him standing there. He, he was and a, then I started watching. Savio looked a little bit well fed. Okay, Savio looks like the you know <laughs> he's had a couple of meals since he last wrestled. But you know he did his crescent kick. He did his thing. Um, I didn't watch the, really the much of that show beyond that and um, Zelina Vega. Um, that was nice just because of how emotional she got. Like, because they never really gave her anything to do in this company post NXT. And NXT, she killed it. She really doesn't give anything to do in WWE. And uh, they were cheering for her, like the hometown person that she was. And she's crying, and her family's there. That was really sweet. Did, did she get? But did she get crushed like a tomato can? No, they 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 did. They played it well. They played a big man, little man okay. game, or like Z- Rhea sells her ass off. Honestly, sometimes too much. For someone's that big compared to the other women, but it was a really like they made it look like you know she wasn't gonna win, Zelina. But they really right, right, right. those are the two I saw, and the crowd was hot for both of them, and then I didn't really like know what else happened, to be honest. There was a cage hanging over the ring, and I don't know what happened, who was in the cage match. But that was uh that was cool, man. I like that they did that. Hopefully they do more stuff like that, going into like areas that are not it's nice when people appreciate the live show they're getting. Like AEW is doing their first ever England show. At Wembley, and they've already sold like sixty some odd thousand seats, and that'll be a hot crowd too. And WWE's talking about going to Australia for one of these, and you know what? <laughs> you made a face about Australia. No, 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 no. I just saw a face of uh, some idiots uh, doing wrestling in the middle of a highway. Oh, all right. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, that was what I got this week. Mostly just I thought Bad Bunny was was really cool. If you get a chance, just at least look up the entrance if you can't find the actual match, which. You can get a year of Peacock for like five bucks. Just putting that out there. Um, Marcus, what do you got this week? Yeah, I'll keep it short. Uh, this Friday, probably one of the bigger games coming out this year. Uh, Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom comes out. Personally, I, I never wrapped up Breath of the Wild, so I'm not going to be jumping into Tears of the Kingdom until I, I finish my homework. But uh, yeah, I might watch some people stream it or something. I mean, that, that, that game looked a lot more appealing in the last couple uh, you know, demos they showed or previews they showed recently about like how you can kind of fuse different items into weapons and stuff like that. Looks like it's really interesting. And and given that it's a direct sequel, it looks like they are doing some interesting things because it did kind of, I did feel leading up to it, it felt like it was going to be maybe more of the same, um, which wouldn't be a bad thing. Breath of the Wild, you know, one of the, the most well-regarded games of all time. Um, more of the same isn't bad, but they are doing enough different interesting things. I'm like, okay, this does seem appealing um, on a personal level, I, uh, still kind of collecting and looking for, uh, Sega Saturn games. And that's been really fun. Uh, I was able to secure an Etsy reproduction and now, you know, like, okay, my system can't play these games so I can get some of the more expensive games for a reasonable cost. Um, and then I did watch uh, Redfield over the weekend and I enjoyed it. I thought it was a fun movie. Um, what's Redfield? That's the Nicolas Cage Dracula one with ah. Aquafina and uh, is that what it's called? Ben Schwartz Redfield. Redfield. Yeah. Okay, mm-hmm. I know what you're talking yeah. about though. Okay, yeah. Um, I mean, it's an it's like it's a comedy. I would say like it's an action comedy. There's a lot of like kind of fun, interesting fight action scenes um, that are way more Renfield. Renfield. Sorry, there we go. Renfield. Okay. Redfield. Yeah. Renfield. Um, but yeah, it, it, the movies 
more violent and gory than I would have anticipated. There's just a lots of blood, like in it to to a point where it's supposed to be comedic, just like how much blood and how they're ripping people's faces off and shit like this. Um, but it was enjoyable. It was fun. I mean, you know, you, you just got to go in into it with the right mindset. Like it, it's a goofa movie, right? Like there, there's plot holes. There's just weird logical leaps they make that don't necessarily make sense. As long as you just kind of keep in mind that like, this is just a dumb comedy. I think you'll have a good time with it, but uh, yeah, that's what I got this week. So worth watching. All right. Absolutely. Yeah. I think, I think it's like 90 minutes. So it's not like, it's not asking for a lot of your time, um, but it was a good time. How do you feel Mark about that? Nicholas Cage, he filed down his teeth so that he could use those prosthetic teeth um, for this movie. Is it worth is it worth this is it worth this figuring your teeth for? Uh, I would probably say how much no. they pay him. I don't know why. How much do they pay him? That's the only question. How much do they pay him? I mean, it, it's where I think Nicholas Cage is a big selling point, especially now because he's kind of leaned into like his kind of weirdness, kookiness. And I think he, I kind of get the feeling now, like he's more popular. People are more interested in him and his projects than they have been for a long time. Um, and he's not like, he's not really like, he, he's like the main antagonist kind of, but like, he's not in the movie a ton, a ton. Like it's really, um, the, this kid from the great, which, which I was watching on you who with Christine, which is also Nicholas really Holt. fun streaming. Yeah. Nicholas Holt. Like it, it's really, he's the star. And then Aquafina's co-starring, and then after them, it is Nicholas. You know, it, it, he, he's the big anchor star, but like, and he's good in it. I think he's fun, but like, yeah, a lot of the movies not necessarily around his character. Um, but he, yeah, I don't know if it was worth going to the lengths he did for his prosthetic teeth. They could have had hokier teeth in. I think it would have been just as fine. Um, but yeah, that his teeth are weird and frightening and kind of scary. So. You know, if he felt, you know, the juice was worth the squeeze on that one, you know, more power to you. But I think they could have put in cheaper teeth, too, and been just as fine. But, uh, yeah, it's a good watch. All right. Um, I think that's uh, that's all we got this week. Um, we're going to be back next week um, where we're going to see. Well, I don't know. Is there a card? Is there not a card? Let's take a look. UFC fight night. Oh, it's that uh, Mackenzie Dern and Angela Hill fight. Mm-hmm. And then it gets a little questionable after that fight. And by little, I mean very. Uh, we'll talk about that. Um, sounds like Jamal Hill said he wants to headline that Boston card against Yuri Prohaska. If you want to do a dual tilt of Jan, of a Prohaska, uh, Jamal Hill, and uh, O'Malley, Aljamain Sterling, Mark, that sounds like a good time to me. Big fan of those two matchups right there. Sure, that's, yeah. that's what we call a pay-per-view. That is a pay-per-view to me. Two title fights. Give me a third fight, too. Uh, we'll talk about that. We'll see if Mighty Mouse retires. We'll see anything else that comes out of this. Um, until then, I was Dr. Law. That was Lavender Gooms. And that was DJ Mark. Thank you all so much for listening. Stay safe. Happy Cinco de Mayo. Happy Mother's Day. Peace out. See ya. Nothing like wishing the Cinco de Mayo. I went right in the middle, buddy. Right in the middle. Cinco de Mayo was there before. I know it's uh, Mother's Day in Mexico in two days. Do is that a Mexico-specific thing, or is it like there's Latino Mother's Day in general? On a Wednesday? No, there's a Dominican Mother's Day as well. It's not May 10th. American Mother's Day. Yeah, this is May 10th, I guess specifically. I don't know. So this is Iranian Mother's Day. No clue. 
Thanks for listening, everybody. Bye. See ya.